Um, I remember in Geneva last year, there was this woman who came up to me after the show and she began to cry. She cried in that moment because she really understood that her sense of privilege and entitlement um, has allowed her to wash out all of the negative. Oh, like, I don't want to go to Africa because it's so sad. And like, I don't want to deal with poverty. I can't see poverty. And like, if I want to have a really good drink, then I must feel really guilty inside. And like, it's all of those kind of tumultuous questions of, uh, am I worthy or am I not? And that's what live performance does. It really, it fucks you up in the right ways. Welcome to episode 9 of Are We Our Work. I'm Tiffany Ibrahim. Are We Our Work is a platform for peer exchange that gathers and shares people's career experiences across different professional networks in South Africa. In this episode, performance artist, queer activist and educator, Kiran Gina, talks about the interrelationship between his professional and private life and why he is not sorry. My body is not an apology, exoticized is my queer body. Is it fascinating to see how tourists come into Africa and just want to try a black body out? All they have to do is flash their cash. So this elderly gentleman comes up to me and starts whispering sweet luring words into my ears. Flashes his cash, of course. I come from a good family upbringing where I was taught I could be anything that I wanted to be in life. Do you think I went with him? Would you have gone with him? If you ain't gonna love yourself, how the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? amen. Which is a <laughs> direct quote from RuPaul. <laughs> um, amen. When our bodies have been beaten, abused, raped, and left to rot and die... Do you think this pink money is going to buy our bodies back after death? What is this term we use, safe space? Is this a safe space? Referring to a nightclub. Nightclubs are supposedly the most safest spaces where we can let go of our inner ambitions. We can dance, desire and dress up freely. Yet those same spaces are filled with hatred. Just there in a bathroom cubicle is a black male bouncer barging through a door, interrupting a black female who identifies as being lesbian. She's rolling a cigarette. He assumes it's an illegal substance. She stands up for her right. Her face is met to his fist. She falls to the floor and he stands over and says, no woman will speak to me like that. A Muslim man or a Catholic man want to fuck me in the ass but cannot call themselves gay because their religion denies it. But if I want to kiss them or show them some form of affection or maybe fuck them in their ass, I'm met with rejection or death. Why, why do you carry identity so close to your work? I guess it's the thing we've been taught, ingrained in us, from the moment we were born. So we understood a black dot from a white dot and the size of that dot because someone taught us this is a big dot and that's a small dot. This is a black dot and that's a white dot. 
And the way in which white supremacy and patriarchy have governed identity and kind of labeled us into these boxes. I use identity as a, as a means to really critique and critically engage with these boxes that have been designed for us. If we can provoke people into um, questioning their own sense of phobias or their discriminations and really antagonize that space, I begin to initiate dialogue um, amongst the people that get to watch the work that I create. I keep feeling these tensions in your work mm. and I interpret that as the intersection between trauma and celebration. Mm. And I wonder how you intend it um, when you put it out into the world. Mm. I mean, a lot of my work comes for, uh, comes with a social political activism approach. And um, it's mainly geared towards people of color and black folks' stories that haven't been told. Performance is the dinner table for me. It's the space where different people of different walks of life come to eat your art. And I'm going to feed you the politics of our time. Um, and I quote from Nina Simone, how can your art not reflect the times that we are living in? And that real questioning of like, do I really need to be apologetic for uh, the way I exist, the way I behave, um, the way I choose to love, um, the way I choose to be angry? Um, the way I choose to fail. The, yeah. And that process of unlearning is like um, the things we were told as children not to do because it's bad, um, made our inner child very scared and fearful. So I think that's the thing I'm really trying to ask myself. So why, how do I, how do I learn to behave like this? Why do I behave like this? Um, what is this thing of like abusing vices in order to cope, um, in order to exist so that we become like camouflaged in a way, using these masks to kind of pretend in front of each other, um, to hide away our insecurities or the sense of fear because in a world that we exist in, we have to kind of show the strength all the time. There's no room for, for failure. Um, mm. And at the moment you fail, you feel like your self-esteem drops completely and that the world, like there's a massive atomic bomb that happens and that, you know, there's no way to re re repurpose yourself share some of your insights around power dynamics um, in your profession between those on stage and the audience? But it's all, always a dance of power dynamics in, in the world of, of theater spaces that I work in or live performance spaces. They, they watch your work and they ask, why do, you, why do you work with symbolism? And the relationship between myself and the audience then shifts after. But in the process, arriving in that space, there's that nervousness that I get five minutes before going onto stage and that stays there. And then like this beast comes out, which gives me an, a, a superpower, a kind of power of, no one is going to ever 
diminish my character in the space um, and allows um, way um, and opens up space for what I'm about to present. What does visibility and being seen and being recognized uh, do for you in your practice? At first I was a little bit um, on the, uh, I want to be famous, I want to be, um, uh, you know, liked by so many different people and affirmed through the presence of um, my outer appearance and then also the kind of work that I did or that I'm doing. Um, but then I think there was a triggering moment. And because I'm an educator as well, I work with a lot of young people. And a big part of the question is like, what's your, why did you come here? What's the purpose of you being here? And a lot of them come to, to, to the realization that they all came for fame. They want to be liked like um, their idols on television or in the music industry. And that's all they want as many likes as possible. But I don't find purpose in that anymore. You know, when you're young... Why? I don't know. I just... I think to seek validation from other people, it doesn't enable me anymore. I, I, I don't need... I don't need to be liked to make work. And yet before... That's all I needed to know. Like, people love my work. Oh, great. People are talking about it. It's cool, you know? And now, I think it's also because people recognize the kind of work that I'm doing. There's more trust in myself. We eventually get to this point, or hopefully. Mm. But it, it is the shift from being so reliant on an institution or a structure or a legacy to slowly breaking away from it and forging what is less familiar but what feels more right. Mm. Um, and I'd like to know for you, what shifted, what cracked, what fell away or what came in? I think being alone a lot of the time left a lot of questions for me to kind of face about my own um, understanding of the world and what I wanted to contribute to it. And I think each collaboration that I've, I've managed to partake in has offered me a learning that I wouldn't have gathered um, from an academic space. I guess we're all serving um, a greater cause you know like what are you really serving what's the purpose in supporting because if you're only living for yourself and like kind of your own ideals um, I really have to ask then what is your real purpose and I think I'm not I don't have the answers for for that yet I think I'm in that that transitionary space right now of really saying okay I'm I value this and I don't value that you know can we talk a little bit about the lifespan of your work? Um, and it's because so much, so much of it is a live performance. It's quite short-lived. Mm. Um, your work can't stay alive forever the way that a painting can be preserved and framed and put up on a wall. Mm. Um, it can't be relived in the 
in the way that a book can be reprinted and held onto and shelved. Mm. But at the same time, I assume that that's the magical or one of the magical components to your work. It's those series of moments on stage through your body, through movement, mm. uh, through connection and communication with your collaborators. But what does it feel like to go into something knowing how magical it can become but also acknowledging that it's not going to last forever, that what it is is what it is, that what it will become is whatever it will become. Mm. And ultimately, to eventually let go. I remember when I created my first show um, in high school, um, as opposed to being in other people's work. And it was such a... It was such a, a nice group of people and we were only put together um, for four weeks and then we had separated. And I remember the feeling of feeling so sad after that process. I was like, how do you bear with this? It's like you fall in love with people and their ideas and their energy and it, I mean, just them being present and then they disappear. And they go. It's only going to live for the time that you create it, and then it's gone, as you said. Which is a metaphor for life as well, you know, that we we begin a process and we end a process. But to give yourself fully in those processes is something um, I am learning continuously. Um, at first, I, would, I, I still, and this is something I'm dealing with a lot, is like, how much of my creative ideas do I give before, they, uh, before someone else steals them? And that whole perception of, like, they're not stealing it. They're actually evolving your idea. And it's all about perception and, like, how you change something that um, is yours into something that is ours when we go into relationships and it works and it's bliss at the beginning and it's amazing you've got to work at it continuously even when it is amazing to meant to keep it i see people go through ma like huge depression because they have not learned the process of letting go and the steps of doing that you know the kind of denial the the anger the frustration the sadness the the longing um. your body is very much your work literally um, and your work depends on your movement on your ability to move and to flow and I I wonder how this influences your relationship with time because while you're still young, your body is a lot more capable. I'm always, I'm always um, moved by elder performers or aged body performers because their memory recall um, and kind of the algorithm of understanding their bodies is so much more intricate and detailed. So for me, I, I, I feel privileged and excited to age my body and to see how 
I will still be able to perform in my dying years. It's scary to think that um, if I have to land up in an accident and um, I injure my leg or my arm um, and I'm not able to move again. But with the power of performance, differently abled bodies are still performing. So, and, and knowing that that is a field in itself and, and there's, there's room for that, I feel less pressured to kind of show this um, this opulent, like I, I have to present my body at its best right now. No, I'm like, just maintain it. Um, it'll get you through life. And um, I make performance because you can see the sweat. You can see if they bleed. You can feel the emotion. Um, and there's a real human element there that no one can remove because you you are triggered by um, certain things um, that your senses pick up. Still on the subject of movement, but more in terms of mobility. Mm. It seems to be quite a central part of your practice mm. to be mobile, to be traveling, mm. to be moving between different spheres, places, spaces, people, disciplines. Can you talk a little bit about mobility and the feeling it gives you um, and what it does or how it influences your practice? I've been privileged, um, to say the least, to have the opportunity and fortunate to have the opportunity to travel so much in the last nine years, ten years now. Um, we are constantly moving from the moment we wake up to the moment we sleep. And during our sleep, we are still moving. <laughs> so we must continue to move. But traveling has really given the opportunity to renegotiate those inner voices that tell you you're not worthy of of ascending and you're never going to be successful and you're never going to make something of your life. If I did not travel, I think I would be incubated in a kind of very closed mind frame and dreaming is mobility. To have a dream, to wake up every morning and know that you're working towards that dream. It might not be clear right now and it was never clear for me. I kind of felt like, ah, oh, well, I dream about performing in, in in something and it became clearer as I went into that space. So when you started talking, you spoke about how you're at a place and a time in your life where you're looking back mm. um, into your history um, in an attempt to unlock your inner child. And uh, it struck me because... Your, your phrase or your tagline is moving African art forward. And so I just wonder, is it more complex than that? What other directions are you or could you or do you move in other than forward? Mm. 
<laughs> it's it's so interesting because I'm changing my whole website at the moment okay. because I'm also like uh uh-uh. <laughs> it it felt very commercial driven and I I think I'm reaching a new phase of my artistic career now and I'm less interested in like moving forward but I'm more interested in the core now the central point um, so like really asking myself, what is the center of this conversation? What is the center of this question? Instead of going out, I'm trying to go in and really like change the landscape of um, defining myself as an artist, but also as an individual to really ask myself, what are the things that I was running away from? And I started to just... Um, how do you say it? Like you, I started to use everything, right? So using the party to escape, using the, um, just using so many different things to run away from what I really wanted to ask myself. Who am I really? What I really want in life. Why, why do you think we're afraid of asking ourselves that question? Because it's hard work. Because every day you have to wake up and critically engage with yourself on like, the anxieties, the the depression, the sense of fear, the sense of loss, the sense of um, feeling unworthy. Um, You really have to, I have to ask myself all of those questions, you know, and it's not an easy road. And that's why we're scared to go there because it's much more simpler to just go on with life and not complicate yourself even further than life is already complicated. And that's what everybody is constantly saying, like, oh, life is so complicated. Let's try and just make it a little bit more easier for ourselves, you know, which is fine. But then, you know, you get to the latter part of your, your, your lifespan and you, you really feel regret. Are We Our Work forms part of a long-term research project that documents career experiences and labor market practices in South Africa. If you would like to participate in the research going forward, visit areweourwork.com to find out how you can share your work-related experiences. This episode was created and produced by me, Tiffany Ibrahim. Sound and editing by Dean Salant. Recording support by Yogan Sullivan. The music is by Vuma Levin and can be found on his album called In Motion. The episode cover was designed and illustrated by Lauren Mulligan. To stay up to date on the podcast and future episodes, follow Are We Our Work on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening.